0: on our fifth anniversary. We are celebrating all that God has done and is going to do here at Tri-Cities Church. This was bothering me. It got a little crooked there for a moment. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Uh, We are celebrating all that God has done and all that he's going to do here at Tri-Cities Church and We're excited because we've been going down memory lane, actually, for the last couple of weeks. Jamie and I have been sitting down looking at pictures and going down memory lane and thinking about where we were when we were first dreaming of a church called tri Church and where God has brought us. And here we are uh, today, and we are a church uh, that exists uh, not for ourselves, but exists for the good of this world and for the mission of God. And so um, we celebrate that. We celebrate the fact that God has invited us to be a part of all that he's doing in this world, that the God that's so great has made himself known, and um, wow, and how humbled we are as people, as flawed and broken as we are, that that God chose to make himself known to us and call us to be a part of his mission. I'm blown away every time I think about that, and I... Um, I am energized for ministry, and I hope you are as well, energized for ministry every time you get to think about the fact that the God of creation has chosen to live out his mission through you, his church. That is a glorious and marvelous thing that we get a chance to be a part of. Well, hey, when we were planning this service, they they said to me, well, we want to have some other people talk other than you. We want to have some people tell their stories. I didn't quite know they were serious about that uh, until this morning. Uh, and so there are some more Tri Cities Church stories that you will hear uh, this morning. And so we are going to condense. Uh, I am going to condense my time a little bit to make space uh, for stories and for others to stand here and talk. And I won't, uh, I won't hog. I won't hog the time like I do most Sunday mornings. But let's pray, and we'll get into our message for this morning. God, we do give you thanks. Um, we give you thanks that you call us into spaces like this to sing of the glories of your name, to read your word that was spoken to us, to look one another in the eye and to be encouraged in knowing that we're walking together in faith, to walk out of doors together and into this world where there are things that bother us, things that concern us. There are things that are happening in our world that they threaten to steal our joy and make this world a place that's less pleasant than it should be, as a place that was created by a God as beautiful and glorious as you are. But God, we are thankful that we get to come into a space like this, sing songs like these, look one another in the eye, and be encouraged by the faith of each other, and walk out of these doors energized and engaged in the work, the mission, the calling that you've called us to. And God, I just pray this morning that as we open your Word and as we study the Scriptures, that you will guide them, uh, guide us into them, that you will help us to understand what you are saying to your church, to Tri Cities Church here at our five-year anniversary, that will guide us on to our 10th and beyond. God, please illuminate your word to us. It's in your Son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, on March 27th, 2012, I received an email um, I was living in New Jersey at the time, and I received an email from a guy that was an absolute stranger to me, someone I had never met before in my life, had never even heard of before in my life, and I received this email that uh, changed the course of my life. Now, I'm from this area. Uh, I grew up in this area, Um, but I had moved to Jersey, and my wife and I were settling down and planting roots there in Jersey, and we were even at one point talking about Uh, potentially buying a house there and making the Northeast our long-term home. And I received this email from a guy, and I just want to read a short portion of that email. It says, My name is Jamie Vernon, and I am in ministry in Atlanta. My family and I are currently working to plant a thriving, multi-ethnic, multi-generational Christian church on the south side of Atlanta, the airport area. I grew up in this community. And we're looking for someone to come alongside me in this plant. I got that email from Jamie, and it's quite a long story. Um, But to make a long story short, my wife and I discerned that God was calling us to be a part of this church. Now, if you're first time here, Jamie uh, is sitting right here on the front row. He's one of our pastors here at Tri-Cities Church. He's the one that God gave the vision for Tri-Cities Church he planted it in his heart and the amazing thing I think about this is there are times that God plants something in our heart and through the process of prayer and community it becomes a reality in our lives that it actually is. Now there's some times that we plant something in our heart that's not God's will and we struggle and run after it and pursue it and tear down walls trying to make it come into being and it seems like God is standing in the way of it and that is true but God planted something in Jamie's heart and and he identified it correctly through community and prayer and joining along with other people through partnership and here we are today when he said I want to see a thriving multi-ethnic multi-generational church when God said I want to see a thriving multi-ethnic multi-generational church to him he said yes I'll go in essence he sent me this email and this email said God is doing something here on the south side of Atlanta and I want to join him will you you come join him in what he's doing with me. Now, and I got to be honest. Like I said, when Jamie sent me that email and I got it, I did not know a Jamie. I had never heard of a Jamie. I had Never met, a, I had never even seen a picture of a Jamie. I, in the whole time when we packed up our stuff and we were moving back to Atlanta, um, we had several phone calls between the time that I received the email and the time, um, that, that we actually packed up and moved back to Atlanta. We had several phone calls, we had gotten to know each other a little bit, but the whole ride down, I'm thinking, man, if this guy is crazy and I done packed up my family and moved back to Atlanta for this, if this guy is crazy, I'm gonna be. Like, I'm gonna be heated, and me and God gonna have some conversations if this is the way this whole thing plays out. Little did I know he was crazy because you gotta have a little bit of crazy in you to step out and plant a church. Anybody that's ever started something new, a business or a church or anything like that, you gotta have a little bit of crazy, or at least something in your life gotta be driving you crazy. And for Jamie, it was God in his life that was driving him crazy to see this new church here on the south side of Atlanta. And so here we are. Are as we partner together to start this new church five years ago. And that's my Tri Cities Church story, how I came to be a part of Tri Cities Church. You know, we all have a Tri-Cities Church story—a story of how we came to be a part of this church. For some, it was an invitation of a friend, somebody that said, "Hey, come and be a part of this church. I just want you to experience this church that I know and love." For some, it was an internal conviction—it was this voice internally saying, "You know, you should be going to church, or you need to find a church and plant roots there." Uh, For others, it was this longing for community. I just need community in this in this life. I need people that are going in the same direction as I am. I want to be surrounded by other believers, for one reason or another, we've found ourselves here, and I don't really want to over-spiritualize this, um, but I do believe no matter what we came here for, whether you came here with the right motive or the wrong one, whether you came here just looking for something for yourself, so a community to support you so you could feel better about yourself, or whatever you might have come here for, for whatever reason you found yourself at Tri-Cities Church, I believe God called you here because he had a purpose for your life. For whatever reason you walked in these doors, I believe that God called you here. The church is not like any other community or organization where you might just go and be a part, hang out for a while, walk away, get something from it. God calls us to his church because God has things in our world that he's predetermined that he wants to do, and he wants to do that through his church, the community of believers living faithful to the call of God. God has incredible things, things far beyond our imagination, things that we could ever even dream up ourselves, when you decide you want to think big and you begin to think big and you say there's a God in this world that might want to do that, I guarantee you the things that God wants to do are so much further and beyond what we could ever imagine that God wants to do both in us and through us. When God calls us, he calls us to his church. And the church and I think we got to be careful here as a church, um, because our society has shaped us to be a people that are simply that are simply pursuing something that will improve our quality of life, something that will make our experience of life better, something that will encourage me or bless me or make me more whole. Our our society has wired us in a way that our world revolves around ourselves. And so when we come into the church, oftentimes it's easy for us to come into the church with that very same mindset. But being a part of the church, and I was thinking about this just this morning, so I'm rolling with it, and it Hopefully this makes sense with you. Being a part of the church is one of the most selfless things you can do because when God calls you to the church and when He calls you to come and be a part of His church, He's not saying, "Hey, come be a part of the church so I can bless you." Come be a part of the church so I can make you whole. Come be a part of the church so that you can be encouraged and have joy when you walk out of these doors. And that and that stops there. God calls us to be a church, and He says, "I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing. I'm going to make you whole so you can make others whole." I'm I'm going, to, I'm going to give you joy so that you can bear witness to the cross in which there is joy even in darkness, uh, hope even in times that are dismal and despair surrounds you, right? God is saying there's something far beyond you that I want to do, and I'll only do it only as much as I'm blessing you, only as much as I'm making you whole, only as much as I'm giving you the joy that can only be found in Jesus Christ. And so the church is all about what God is wanting to do in this world. There's this come and see element to the church, but if there's only a come and see and not a go and tell, we're missing the point as a church. God is always calling us. Whenever we read in the scriptures, we see God calls people. And he says, come and see what I'm doing. Come and discover who I am. Then go and tell someone. I love this scripture in Psalm 102. It's one of the ones that have become very meaningful to our church. In Psalm, Psalm, Psalm 107, uh, listen to what it says in, in verse 1. It says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. And then verse 2, Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their stories some of you may be familiar with the version that says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That word literally says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell those their stories. Those redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. Let them tell their stories stories. You see, God called us, and he called us to come and see, to come and know him, to come and be a part of his church. But at the same time, he sends us out with a story. He sends us out so that we could tell our stories. You see, the early church got this, and not uh, well, I don't want to look back at the early church as though they were perfect. I mean, I think that's a temptation for us, right? We look back at the early church and we say, they got it right. They got it right. There were some, um, there were some tragic moments and some flaws in the early church. But what we see throughout church history is that the, the church understood that there was always something beyond where they were right now. And there was always something that God was calling them to be and to do. In fact, when we look in the Bible in Matthew chapter 28... Um, I think we got that scripture on the screen. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, when Jesus is there with his disciples, this is after the resurrection. Jesus says to his disciples, then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Pay attention to that word, go. He said to his disciples, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That, that is, that I have conquered the greatest enemy, that is death, right? Now, there's nothing left but for you to go and declare this into the world. So he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so the early church, Jesus talked to them after the resurrection, the disciples, he spoke to them and he said, go. Now the disciples, I love the way the story plays out. And um, man, especially after last week, after hearing this message from the scripture last week, kind of spontaneously, at least from the scriptures last week, this, this ideal of when God calls us to go, um, that our going must be guided by prayer, right? It must be empowered by prayer. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, go. The disciples, uh, what they did was they went, right? But they didn't go out making disciples immediately. They went back to their houses, right? They went back to the upper room. They gathered back together, and they began praying, uh, praying, uh, praying themselves up for the work that God was calling them to do. They understood that the work that God was calling them to to do was so great that they knew they couldn't do it apart from prayer and spending time before the Lord. So they began praying themselves up. And I think that is speaking to our church and it is especially speaking to me as a, uh, as a follower of Jesus Christ. That is that if there's a day that passes by that I feel like I can make it through that day without prayer, I'm probably not going in the way that God is calling me to go, right? I'm probably not doing the kind of things that God has prepared for me to do. If I can make it through my, my day without sitting before the Lord in prayer and begging for his strength and begging for his power and begging for his mercy and begging for his grace and begging for his leadership and his wisdom, I'm probably not going in the way that God has called me to go. What we see in the early church is Jesus says, go and make disciples. And the disciples step back and they begin praying themselves up. Then in Acts chapter 2, we saw this a little bit last week. In Acts chapter 2, the disciples are praying. They are spending time before the Lord. They haven't gone out to make disciples yet, but They are praying themselves up, and the Holy Spirit comes in a powerful way and empowers their going into the world. From that moment forward, if you read in the Bible, in the New Testament, this is just kind of the early church right after Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 2, we see from that moment forward, as the Holy Spirit empowers their going, the disciples go out and they begin making disciples And people are getting saved like crazy. They're giving their life to the Lord. You can see this in Acts uh, in one 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 chapter. It says that God added three thousand to their numbers, and then I think that was Acts chapter two. In Acts chapter four, it says there were I think five thousand at this point. So between Acts two, there were three thousand. Acts four, there were five thousand. God is is uh, spreading this thing like wildfire. As people are telling the story of Jesus Christ, then there's this guy named Cornelius, and I just briefly want to pause right there. This is guy Cornelius in, in, in Acts chapter 10. Uh, and he is, he's not a Jew. Um, and it, up to this point, um, uh, Christianity had been a religion of the Jews. The Jews had become Christians. Jesus was a Jew. He, he came, uh, Herod made fun of him, called him the king of the Jews. And so it was his, uh, up to this point, it was a Jewish religion. And the Jews... Um, the Jews that believed in Jesus, the Messianic Jews, the Jews that believed in Jesus ultimately did not want to share Jesus. But in Acts chapter 10, this guy named Cornelius, he accepts Jesus Christ and receives the Holy Spirit in the same way that the Jews, that the, the Jews Jewish believers did in Acts chapter 2. He receives the Holy Spirit and the church goes wild over this because they thought what God was doing was only for the Jews, And so here's what the church does. They form this committee um, because they, um, they they form this committee because they, they formed this committee to decide if God could do what God was doing already, right? So God was already saving people who were not Jews, and, the, and God has done They did that this is through Cornelius. He, he received the Holy Spirit. Him and his family were saved. The church was like, whoa, 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 I'm not sure that's that maybe out of balance for God to do. They formed this committee to decide if God could do what God was doing already. And I, and I want you to see that, um, and that's in Acts chapter 15. Uh, in Acts chapter 15, they do that. Um, now, and I think there's a point there for us. Um, And that point is this, that whenever we form committees, and I I use the word committee loosely, whenever we form groups that are seeking to follow God but aren't guided by God's word, those groups, committees, whatever you want to call them, will always stand in the way of what God is doing. And we have Peter here in Acts chapter 15. And Peter's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, God has already done this. He's not saying like, or should we pray about whether God should or could or would do this? He's saying God has already done this. Ultimately, the committee decided to stay on God's side, to decide that God was able to do what God was already doing. And from that point forward, the gospel was unleashed to spread into the whole world. Remember in, in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, of the whole world from from that point forward, the church began to get out of the way and let God do what God would do when people had this vision of what's beyond where they are right now and what would happen if people went and told the story of Jesus Christ. Now, I just want to run through this little bit of a timeline with you uh, of, of what begins to happen there. So from AD 49 and That's when that that Jerusalem committee, that conference happened. In AD 49, immediately after that, Paul goes to Turkey, and he begins uh, uh, sharing the gospel, and Gentiles, people who weren't Jews, were saved all over the place. In AD 51, Paul heads to Greece, and he begins sharing the gospel. In AD 52, Thomas heads to to India, to an area known as Kerala, and to this day, because of the seeds of the gospel that he planted there in Kerala, India, that the uh, most Christians who are in India reside in Kerala. We still see this thriving Christian community there uh, because of what Thomas did in AD 52. In AD 60, Paul heads to Rome. In 174, first Christians are reported in Austria. In 280, the first rural churches emerged in Italy. Now, this is important because from that, before that point, Christianity had existed mainly in the city centers, and so there were these dots of Christians all over the place. Well, we know that the dots of Christians all over the place don't equal the spread of the gospel into all the world. But at this point, we see the gospel spreading out of the cities and into the suburbs, into the more rural areas. By uh, uh, 8030, an estimated 10% of the world's population is Christian, and the Bible is available in 10 different languages. By AD 350, some historians say that 53% of the Roman Empire, that's 31 million people, all right, identify themselves as Christian. You see, something's happening here in a mere 300 years as the church understood that there was something that God was going to do that was beyond where they were right now, as they knew that it was not just a come and see kind of thing, but it was a go and tell that God was calling them not to just exist for themselves, but to go to other places and other lands and to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. By 432 AD, Patrick heads to Ireland. That's St. Patrick. This is the same uh, St. Patrick that we commemorate him going to Ireland by wearing green and pinching those who don't wear green. In 596, Gregory the Great sent a team of missionaries to what is now England. He introduced the gospel there and within more within a year, more than 10,000 people were baptized. By 635, the first Christian missionaries arrived in China. 740, Irish missionaries went to Ireland. You see what's happening there. Patrick went to Ireland. Now the Irish, are sorry, they went to Iceland. Patrick went to Ireland. Now the Irish are going to Iceland and spreading the gospel because that's what the church does. It goes, it spreads, it has this vision that's beyond where they are right now. In 828, the first missionaries reached an area that is known as the Czech Republic and 900 missionaries reached Norway. By 1200 AD, the Bible is available in 22 different languages. By 1382, the Bible is translated in English for the first time. In 1493, Christopher Columbus takes missionaries on his second journey to the New World. By 1494, first missionaries arrive in Dominican Republic. In 1519, two Franciscan missionaries accompany Hernan Cortez in his expedition to Mexico. In 1529, Peter Gint writes from Mexico, that he and a colleague had baptized 14,000 people in one day, in one day, even if they rounded up, right? All right, so even if that's a preacher's count and they rounded up, that's a great, even if he like typoed and added one too many zeros, 14, 1,400, 140 is good, right, uh, And the gospel is spreading, is what we're beginning to see. By 1550, um, the Bible is available in 28 different. Languages In 625, Lutherans from the Netherlands begin to settle in Manhattan. In 1656, Quaker missionaries arrive in what's now in Boston. In 1630, Presbyterians arrive in America. In 1634, the first Baptist church arrives in America in Providence, Rhode Island. In 1760s, the first Methodists come to America. What you're seeing here is this spread of the gospel. When Jesus said, go, the church understood that he really meant it. And they had this vision of what's beyond where we are right now, and they sent out missionaries to spread the good news and plant seeds of the gospel in places all over this world. In 1804, Barton Stone, a Presbyterian minister, began seeing and recognizing what was happening in America. Not only were there multiple denominations that were planting um, roots here in this country, um, but that those denominations were splitting and forming more denominations. There was divisions upon divisions. And so in 1804, Barton Stone, a Presbyterian minister, seeing what was happening, dissolved the Springfield Presbytery, wishing to simply be called Christians. This non-denominational movement of saying, we are independent, we are Christians, we're not part of a denomination, we just want to see unity within the body of believers. So no matter where you're coming from, Lutheran, Baptist, Methodist, non-denominational, whatever your background is, come, there's space for you here. God wants us to be unified in the name of Jesus. Then a little bit later in 1830, a guy named Alexander Campbell, who was the son of a Presbyterian minister, had the same vein of thinking and he split from the Presbyterian church wanting to simply be called disciples. But then in 1832, maybe by chance, maybe by something that God was doing, I venture to say the latter. In 1832, Stone and uh, Barton Stone and, and Alexander Campbell come together, and the Christians become known as the Stone Campbell movement or Restoration Movement, a movement of believers that simply wanted to be Christians, not of any denominational affiliation, not dividing over nuances in Scripture. But simply wanting to be a church that was united and diverse, believing that that was the best way to bear witness to the one God we. Serve. They had slogans like, we are Christians only, but not the only Christian. There's no creed but Christ, no book but the Bible. They decided to stand on the Bible and to unite over Christ, no matter what the background or history of the person was, and what you begin to see is this movement towards diversity. Now let's finish, finish up this timeline a little bit. In 1861, a group of believers out of this restoration movement uh, started meeting in a blacksmith shop in Loganville. This became came known as Corinth Christian Church. Remember that name and the names that come after this. In 19... 19- 83, Kenwood Christian Church started meeting in Fayetteville. It later changed his name to Christ Church Whitewater. It was a restoration Christian church that was committed to the unity of believers. In 1990, a church planner by the name of Ed Martin moved to Coweta, Georgia with his vision of starting a church. He started down there, Community Christian Church. In 1997, a group of believers sent by Southwest Christian Church, some of y'all are familiar with it, uh, in East Point, they sent a group of believers down to Peachtree City to start what became Heritage Christian Church. In 2004, a group of believers got together with this crazy idea of um, starting a church in the infamous Gold Club in Atlanta. That church became known as Christian Church Buckhead. They recently moved to downtown, and they changed their name to Atlanta Christian Church. Now, what we see, though, is that in 2012, Corinth Christian Church, Christ Church Whitewater, Heritage Christian Church, Community Christian Church, Atlanta Christian Church, and other churches began to get on board. They partnered together to plant what is known as Tri-Cities Church. And so because of what God was doing in the spread of the gospel From Paul, throughout this world, till today, Tri-Cities Church exists. And exists because Christians were constantly asking themselves, what's beyond? The church was asking itself, what's beyond where we are right now? And then individual believers in the church were willing to ask themselves, Well, who's going to go? And what we see in the scriptures is the proper posture before the Lord is, Here am I, send me. That's not the proper posture for the few that God calls to full-time ministry. That's the proper posture for the church. Here am I, send me. Because the church was willing to give God their here-am-I, Tri-Cities Church exists today. And i got to say, it's a shame if this thing stops with us, right? If we become a people that say, we're going to benefit from those that came before us, we're going to receive all that came before us, the gospel has reached us, this is its stopping point, right? This is his end, right? But God is calling us, and I believe this is for us as Tri-Cities Church, as we enter into year five and beyond, as we go beyond where we are right now, God is challenging us to think beyond, He's challenging us to think of what's next. He's calling us to be a church that's constantly asking ourselves what's next that God wants to do outside of these walls, outside of this neighborhood, outside of this city, outside of these three cities, outside of our county, outside of our state, outside of our country. What is God calling us to do as a church? Because God is calling us to a beyond vision. A vision that's far beyond what we could ever dream and imagine. A vision that's far and beyond what we've reached so far. Because if we as a church simply sit and celebrate what we've become and we don't ask what's beyond, we are missing it. We are missing the point. Tri-Cities Church is going to be a church that asks itself, What's beyond? This morning, I want to introduce you um, to just a start of this, and one of the things that's happening for Tri Cities Church that is beyond where we are right now. Um, and I want to introduce this to you and a family, a couple. Um, their name is Greg and Rashonda Harris, and some of you have met them. They've been with us um, for the last several um, several weeks, and they packed up their family and moved up here from Florida. Um, with this idea that God was calling them to something that was beyond where they were. With this vision of starting a new church in the Atlanta area. And so the thing with Greg and Rashonda is you're going to see them over the next year because they're going to hang out with us and they're going to study Atlanta and they're going to study church plants and they're going to learn what it looks like to plant a new church and how to start a new church. And we're going to teach them all the things we've all of our expertise we're going to impart, Jamie laughs, all of our expertise, we're, we're going <laughs> to, because we're professional church planners now, <laughs> by the way. You, you know, when you become a professional church planner, God gives you a tattoo. Shh. Don't tell anybody else that. My tattoo's on my back. We are going, sorry, I thought I could get through this without that. We are going to learn together how we can not just dream beyond, but how we can go beyond. And so we, as a church, Tri-Cities Church, we're going to partner with Greg and Rashonda, and we're going to dream with them but well, we're not just going to dream with them, we're going to put our resources behind them. We're going to put our people behind them. We're going to send people to go and be a part, just as when we were starting Tri-Cities Church, churches sent people to come and be a part and help us start this new church. They were dreaming alongside us of what God would do, and we exist today because people that were willing to not just dream, but were willing to go beyond and do things for the Lord that were outside of their comfort zone or outside of their geography, outside of the place that they felt like um, God had called them to in the immediate, and they went beyond because they realized that what God was doing was far beyond where they were right now. And so I want uh, Greg and Rashonda to just come up here, um, because we're, we're going to, um, we're just going to kind of, I'm going to close this message just praying for them. Um, because as Jamie knows, uh, and as I know, that when you step out And you decide that you're going to do something new and you're going to start a church. Um, You know, just how nerve-wracking that can be and just how um, intimidating that can be and how uncertain it could be. And so our church is going to um, pray for them now, but I want to ask you to continue to pray for them on a daily basis as they discern exactly what it looks like for them to plant a church here in Atlanta And as we as a church walk with them um, as they dream of something that's beyond, as we dream with them of something that's beyond. So let's pray. God, we do give you thanks um, this morning that you give us this opportunity not just to be a church that celebrates five years and what we've done and what we've become up until this point, but you've given us a beyond vision, a vision that's beyond where we are right now. And God, I just pray that as you've given Greg and Rashonda that same vision, a vision that's beyond where they were, a vision that's calling them to go and be, to go and tell. To go and call people to faith in Jesus Christ. God, as you've given them that vision and you've given them the boldness and the confidence to pack up their stuff and move to Atlanta and begin telling the story, the good news of Jesus, God, I pray that your spirit will continue to be at work within them, God, that they will experience your power every step of the way, God. I pray that they will experience open doors and shut doors. Open doors when you open them for them. Shut doors when you shut them for them, God. I pray that you will go before them and you will call them to go after you as you've gone before them, God. I pray that they'll be able to identify you when they see you. That they won't be make won't make mistakes and they won't chase their own dreams, their own passions, their own pursuits, but they'll trace your dream, your passion, your pursuit, God. I pray that they'll be steadfast in your word. Because in your word there's life. God, I pray that they will busy themselves in prayer. Because in prayer There is life. God, I pray that they won't give up hope because you've already won. And so, God, as they understand themselves as called to not just come and see, but to go and tell. God, I pray that you will open all kinds of crazy doors for them as they tell the good news of Jesus Christ. And I pray for the church that they will plant, God. And I pray for Tri-Cities Church. I pray that you will multiply our resources, that you will give us abundance. You will bless us so that we can be a blessing to them. God, that we won't hoard, but that we will recognize that we are blessed to be a blessing that we are sent in order to send, that we are called in order to call. In your Son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.